Latvian? Labrit. Labrit. Where, where are the Baltic languages from? Where do they descend from? Is it Russian? Uh, Estonian is uh, Finno-Hungaric, so it's something similar to Finnish and Hungarian. Lithuanian was part of the uh, Prussian language tree. Prussian's gone, hasn't it? Latvian is kind of semi-connected to Lithuanian, so it's um, it's a separate group. <laughs> so very difficult language to understand it's just not apart from the modern words that they've adopted it's it's very difficult to guess stuff there are there are some obviously some words from other languages yeah. from english and russian but it's uh, it's really tough when you called i was halfway through an entry in david crystal's book about a history of english in a hundred words and number 15 i'm doing one a day number 15 is arse which was originally <laughs> used for the back of a, an animal and then became uh, human <laughs> Uh, and so I'm halfway through that, and I see that you have hopped online at 10:30 a.m. Um, Latvian Standard Time. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it is. It, for me, it feels like a power breakfast. Uh, I've been up an hour. I've just had a very fresh shower, uh, and I'm ready to talk to you about your wonderful life, Justin Wally. Um, I presume you're well. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been out. I've been to the immigration office actually this morning to get my new um, residency because because of the Brexit we have, to, we have to change over on that. Um, so I've been for a for a walk. It's freezing. It's um, minus thirteen this morning. Jesus, that's uh, alpine wow. weather. I've I've experienced kind of I think minus sixteen is the worst I've had at the top of yes. the mountain, four thousand meters up or forty five hundred meters up. But it's no fun. Yeah. I, but I haven't skied for a long time. The coldest it's got in Watford is about minus two. <laughs> we're, we're due minus 26 on Saturday evening, I believe. Oh, boy. Well, stay home. Protect the NHS. Save life. What's the messaging like in Latvia? Because you have no NHS over there. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd say we're treated a bit more like adults. People, everyone knows what's going on. It's not, you know, there's not all these apocalyptic... Um, signposts everywhere telling you you know because uh, I think you just you just you're constantly miserable if, if it's just in your face like that the whole time I mean we all know yeah the message is clear I mean we've got we've got plenty of restrictions here not not as many as you've got now but people uh, on the whole uh, just try to be sensible about things but the first time round we had almost nothing here um, I mean we, we we kept it we had the pubs and restaurants open even um, March April May and all that but this time around, yeah, it's, it's kind of hitting in a bit with the numbers. Do you, um, do you think you'll ever come back to Britain in general? Uh, I think in life you never say never because you don't know circumstances, you know. Does it appeal to me to go and live in the UK? No, not at all. But your partner uh, is Latvian. The lady I met, uh, I met, I met her back in uh, April. Um, and she's, she was born in Russia, actually. Uh, but she's she's lived here most of her life, so you could call her Latvian, you could call her Russian, yeah. yeah I know very uh, little about Latvia apart from Marian Pahars and Eurovision. They won Eurovision once in one of the fun uh, televotes when the Soviet nations took it in turns to vote each other the winner. But I've never been to read Yeah, uh, Marian Amova. Yeah, oh, is she ar- she's still uh, about? She's living in Paris, I think, or she was living in Paris. I interviewed her a few years ago, actually, because I've done journalism work over the years, and I interviewed her, yeah, God, I don't remember how many years ago, actually. But um, she, I think she was living in Paris at the time. As for Marian's, last I heard, he's in he's in Latvia. 
one of my friends was due to play uh, snooker with him actually uh, until, <laughs> until they closed everything down. But Marion's is uh, he's he's a, he's a good he's a good lad. I met, met him um, also interviewed him and uh, he's uh, he was a tremendous footballer, obviously. Well, I should have read about this. I think he is the what is it the Maradona of the Baltics. Is that right? Perhaps. What he achieved, especially you know, um, with Southampton, uh, fantastic players. He's been a national team coach here as well. You know, he's a, he played a lot of internationals. Yeah, very good player. I think Berbikovskis um, was a was another player that was was unbelievable for Latvia in the early two thousands, and he was perhaps more like a Maradona in terms of how he could dribble past people. But Marion's, yeah, Marion's was a man, was a was a fantastic player for sure. And you know of what you speak because you were a forward. You you'd play as an eleven or a ten or a nine. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I think some people might describe me otherwise. I don't know, but that's yeah, that's where I tried to play. Yeah, I've been playing since I was about um, six years old and uh, just turned fifty. Oh, congratulations! Congratulations. Uh, yeah, 50 at Christmas. <laughs> it's one of those birthdays. Uh, it's uh, you don't feel very congratulations about it. <laughs> just let's let's move on from that one. But uh, yeah, still still play. Uh, last time I played was the end of December. We the pitches now are uh, obviously are frozen over at the moment, and there's a, there's restrictions of how late we're allowed to play. But um, hoping I'll be back playing football in February, maybe. I uh, hope but, so um, too. Any time is a good time of year to discuss the Independent Football Association, uh, of which you are a salaried employee. Is this right? You were, you were or are coaching development director? No, I was the coaching yeah, director for Conifa. Previously, um, I was the Africa director. Um, I'd love to say that it was salaried, but indeed it was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was voluntary. wishful thinking on my part. Kanifa is... Yeah, um, I'm, afraid was, I'm afraid it was voluntary. Yeah, it's tied um, up in shoestring, Kanifa. Which, uh, yeah, perhaps explains why the title's a bit more exciting than one, one might expect in life. But uh, when, we, when we held the World Cup in 2018, uh, with a very limited budget, um, that was all, yeah, all completely organised by people working voluntarily. Personally speaking, I mean, I, I, I stepped away from Connie for, I think it was August time, just uh, for, for, for several reasons. But I, one of them being I just got to concentrate on trying to find more paid work, really. Yeah. And I, I just felt that I, I, I couldn't contribute much with the circumstances of what's going on as well. And I had moved to Russia for a short period of time. It's a long story, but I, I just thought it was the it was the right time to kind of move on. I certainly enjoyed my time with them. Well, I could see that. Um, I was one of the few thousand who was swept away by the Football World Cup in 2018. And it was very handy. As I told James Hendicott, who sends his regards, yeah. I was a couple of miles away from Kanifa HQ. I could get the bus and then walk, oh, and then a, a train a couple of stops to... Uh, where Kanifa, the World Cup was launched with an opening ceremony and uh, or rather an opening press conference. And of course, I was swept up in the Matter Baileyland story, of which you played a key role, which is documented in the book One Football, No Nets, which takes its place on the football library shelves. So your book uh, will rub spines with Duncan Hamilton and Mike Calvin and um, David Goldblatt. Are you a reader of football literature? Not an awful lot. Not an awful lot. I'd, I'd love to be. Um, I think I'm not the only one who's guilty of this, but I think the last few years I just haven't, I haven't read books like I used to. I'm trying to get back into that habit, actually. But um, no, I'm not a, 
I'm not a great not a great reader. Perhaps that's got a bit to do with you know when you I think when you're teaching English and um, you're a journalist, perhaps sometimes um, you you just spend so much of your time wordy and reading stuff that you. <laughs> yeah. The last thing you feel like doing is sitting down and reading more stuff. Busman's you know I mean? holiday, absolutely. Well, yeah. also, yeah. I can't see when you've got a spare moment to do anything other than coach. I'm, I'm. We're going to talk about your time in Riga in the 2010s, um, and also Northampton Town. Uh, this half will focus on Northampton, and then the second half will focus on your adventures. But you were born in Hinkley, which is. Uh, I wasn't born in Hinkley. I was born in Huntingdon, in the now defunct, if that's the right word, county of Huntingdonshire. I didn't know that. Um, Huntingdonshire. Yeah. Where was yeah. that absorbed into? Um, I think it's Cambridgeshire mm. now. Yeah, um, mm. rather than Northamptonshire. So, um, yeah, I was born in Huntingdon. Um, family moved to Hinkley when I was about five or six. So um, I've always, you know, I, I sort of see that as. Uh, <laughs> spiritual home sounds a bit strange way to describe Hinkley, but yeah, perhaps that's my spiritual home. Is that where the nuclear reactor is being built? No, that's uh, that's often confused with Hinkley Point. Yeah, that's in Somerset. Okay, no, because I'm I'm from Watford, and people say, "Ah, oh, the Watford Gap," and I I say, "No, no, the Watford Gap's Milton Keynes. Watford yeah. is where you get signs for the north." If you're driving north, exactly. you go the north. It's lovely yeah. that I get to talk to you not just about Matabelli Land and football and your disillusionment thereof, but I get to tick off Northampton Town because I'm trying to read the 92. Uh, Tom Reed is the chap who does the fanzine, but you have a bigger base from which to pull because you started supporting Northampton in the 1980s. Were they in the depths of professional football at that time? Were they a fourth division side? Actually, I'd say I supported them from the seventies because um, because my grandfather, who was a Rushton man just up the road, oh, yeah. um, he took me took me to the first games probably when I was um, six or seven. I, I had a bit of a soft spot for Nottingham Forest in those days as well. You know the European Cup winning team, but Northampton were the team I'd go and watch, and maybe Forest were the team I'd watch on television. But um, yeah, I mean, I started supporting them. Regularly in the in the eighties, when I yeah, obviously when I got to an age where I was able to to go more often and, and then eventually drive and, and, and follow them up and down the country, they were they were they were right down there in the in, in the early days. They were, nearly went out of the football league a few times. I think we got a few favours to be kept in the football league. To be honest, a couple of times, or well, we were lucky. And then of course we had the we had the title winning side with uh, Graham Carr and 85, 86, I think it was, which was an unbelievable team. Um, Graham Carr, the father uh, of Alan. Indeed. Yeah, you wouldn't put them together. It's, it's, uh, the I most incredible thing. Uh, Alan Carr has been in the news this week for boasting that he's heard some of the new Adele tracks. I think Adele officiated his wedding a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, did you did you rub shoulders with the young Alan? No, 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 no. I don't, in fact, I've... I've Mm. Um, just, just used to follow them up and down the country into the 90s so I followed them home and away um, and then as, as I travelled more or as I lived away I, obviously I didn't get to see them as much but I've, I've continued to follow them all my, all my adult life really so Excellent There is a Watford link because I think A.D. Boothroyd was the manager of Northampton for a bit He certainly was yeah um, gone on obviously to, to, to manage at um, international level at the youth international level which is really impressive 
if I, if I remember correctly, Richard Hill went to Watford, didn't he? In the 80s, he was, uh, I think, our, our record, the record fee the club had received for a player at that time. Oh, right. So there is a long link. Northampton... Oh, well, right. I think it was Watford, yeah. That rings a bell. Um, but I'm, I'm a kid of the 90s. I got into football at Euro 96. I was eight. You were seven during the 1978 World Cup, and you've spoken in interviews about how that tournament lit the flame. Was it not just like a carnival, the 78 World Cup? It's a funny thing about memories, isn't it? Because our memories change over time. We recreate what we think we remembered. Mm-hmm. You know, remembering back to being sort of seven years old, all I, all I just remember is just having the, t- having the TV on and being, being super excited by what I was seeing. Um, I think I had a real passion about the Dutch team at that time. I, I'd hate to say that now because I, I, I could never... <laughs> support the Dutch I cried when they got knocked out I'd been playing for a little while I'd, I'd gone to a few games and then saw that World Cup and like you say it sort of um, ignited a bit of a spark in me I think This is the one that England didn't play in 78 and one of the yeah. other ones I suppose Scotland as well again not sure I'd admit to want to admit to such a thing now but <laughs> um, I think yeah thinking back it would have been Scotland probably would have been the team I was supporting and um, Holland were the team that I fell in love with. But they were in the same group, Scotland and yeah. Holland, yeah. Holland was such a, such a quality, you know, footballing unit. You know, when they sort of um, carried on from there, you just, I just enjoyed watching them. I think that's my, rec- that's my recollection anyway. Yeah, and Holland had invented the modern form of coaching with uh, Rhinus Michels. Oh, Meikles, Meikles, isn't it? David Winner was... Telling me about the pronunciation yeah. of it. Meekles. So were you, I don't suppose you were, but at seven years old, did you understand patterns of play and low blocks and the press and the dynamism? <laughs> yeah. You it all, had it all. I made notes on every game. Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, you just, you, 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 you enjoy certain football, you enjoy certain players, don't you? Um, I mean, I, I, I had the players that I, I liked when I was young. I liked the, the way certain certain teams played. I mean, I mentioned Cobblers, Northampton winning the league in 85. I mean, they were unbelievable to watch. Scored 100 plus goals that season. It doesn't matter how old you are. You just see players, you, you see your Cruyff of this world and you just think, oh God, you know, I'd love to try and copy him. And I think that's what, that's what, that's what happens, isn't it? You just, um, you admire the, the style of how people play and the passion and, and, and the, the goals and the celebrations and that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. We'll go back to 85, but the name John Joe O'Toole has just popped into my head. Um, <laughs> good. He, um, he grew up in Harrow, and uh, I know people yeah. who would go, go out to indie gigs and they would see John Joe, and I believe he became a cult hero at Northampton. He certainly, yeah, he certainly did. He had a funny, I think in the, in the, in the early days, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't like that. They just, uh, he won the support was over and um, he had a lot of personality about him as, a, as, a, as an individual, as a player. He didn't, <laughs> didn't take any poo-poo off people <laughs> on the pitch. He could express himself as a footballer. He often got in trouble. But um, he was, uh, he, yeah, it was a good, good, good character to have around the club. Uh, I think people were very sad when he when he left. Yeah. Um, are there any players of the recent era that could get into a dream team when combined with the '85 promotion winning team? Um, there, there is, and um, he's, he, unbelievably, his name's going to go out of my mind. Um, this is this is uh, this is awful. That's what happens when you turn fifty. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> he, he, he's just come back, in fact. That's how bad it is. Like, he's just come back to the club and I can't even remember his name. Um, he went to Sheffield, he went to Charlton and um, Sheffield United and scored scored absolutely unbelievable goals for us. Unbelievable. Unbelievably skillful. Um, All Northampton fans are shouting at the um, podcast app of their choice. They should do. I'll have just, a look. Uh, Talk me through the eighty-five team. Oh, I could almost. Well, that, that's that's where you go. I think that's where that's where you, you question your uh, what goes on with your memory. Um, Peter Glazer and goals. Graham Reed, right back. McPherson uh, and Wilcox, um, centre halves. Dave Gilbert, left midfield, brilliant, unbelievable player. Richard Hill, top scorer in the league, um, player of the season. McGoldrick, Republic of Ireland international, eventually uh, played for Arsenal, I think. Uh, unbelievable, exciting winger to watch. And then you got Trevor Morley, one of the one of the, who ended up at um, Man City and West Ham, I think. Yep. Unbelievable, unbelievable player to watch. And Ian, Ian Benjamin, who's um, another one of my favourite all-time players, um, unbelievable, great attitude to the game, uh, scored a lot of goals, just a classy player. And a funny story for me, I, I, I went to see a friendly with my mum in the 80s at Weymouth, of all places, we were on holiday. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Ian Benjamin swore, and my mum said, oh, she just suddenly exclaimed, oh, language or something. And, and he, he, he came over and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. Oh. <laughs> so you imagine how... How embarrassed I was, but I did think, oh, there's he, you know, top top hat. That's, that that sums it up really. That he would even even do that really during a match. I think you mean Ricky Holmes. Of course, I mean, of course, I mean Ricky Holmes, <laughs> <laughs> who started yeah. in uh, started at Chelmsford, was at Barnet for a while, moved to Portsmouth, had one stellar season at Northampton, scoring uh, thirteen goals, and then moved to Charlton, and then was at Sheffield United, but eventually was loaned out. And he's just returned to Northampton. He is 33 years old, so he's a veteran, but I've, I've heard that name before. Ricky Holmes. Yeah, he, when, when, he, when, he, when he played for us um, the first time, he was just literally, he was unbelievable, unbelievable. Just so, so skillful, so talented, so much vision, incredible goals. I mean, if you Google some of the goals he scored, I think it was a Luton Town away. It's just an absolute phenomenal goal. Yeah, a joy to watch. And then... Yeah, he went on to better things at Charlton. I think he, he did well at Charlton. And then Chris Wilder took him uh, to Sheffield United because Chris Wilder had been the manager at Northampton with him previously. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, Ricky got um, he got injured. Uh, otherwise, I think he, he, he could have been part of their part of their amazing story in the Premier League, perhaps. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I, mean... I, I went up, actually, I went up to spend a bit of time with Chris Wilder and... Ricky, Ricky was there when I went up. Um, I'm now, I'm now dropping his name a lot. You see, now that I remember who, who I'm talking about. <laughs> he was, uh, he was there with the other players, um, joking around. He was at there, yeah, getting ready for training. But, uh, but really sorry that he never got that um, opportunity, really, because of injury to to push on. Um, so that's obviously gone. Um, and he's back at Cobblers, and hopefully. Hopefully, you know, he'll get his fitness and form back and everything. And um, I, I, I wouldn't expect a season like we had out of him the first time, but it'd be, it'd be nice to have some of that back, you know. As we speak, you are struggling at the bottom of League One. Uh, I expect just a solid mid-table finish for Northampton this season because of what's going on. Very hard to call, isn't it? I mean, I obviously haven't been going down to see them. Are you eye-following them? Are you watching the games? 
I'm not, in all honesty, no, I'm not going to lie and say I am. I listen sometimes on the radio. If the, if the radio's not blocked, um, I listen to live commentary uh, on BBC Northampton because sometimes I don't block it. But I tend to be here, there and everywhere at the weekend, so I'm often not, not necessarily sitting down to, to watch the football at that time here. Yeah, I still follow it. I talk... Um, I'm friends with uh, Sam Hoskins, who plays for the club, so I, t- I talk to Sam sometimes. Um, I think he's probably the, the best player at the club now. I'm really pleased to see how well he's doing, um, how he's developed the last few years. But uh, it's a tough call. I mean, they when, when they went up last year in the playoffs, they they were they were amazing in the second leg and, and in the final. But um, yeah, some of the players have gone. The, the momentum's gone a bit. Um, um, yeah, strange times. There's a Watford connection in the dugout. Colin West, formerly of Watford, is Keith Curls as we speak. He's Keith Curls' assistant uh, yes. at Northampton. Uh, and Keith yeah. Curl is one of the very few managers called Keith uh, who are non-white. <laughs> <laughs> one of the questions that I'd love to ask of any non-white journalist is there aren't many mooses in um, British sports commentary. Why do you think that is? But, yeah, Keith Curl is a very experienced lower league manager. Um is the football that he plays going to satisfy Northampton's fans? You know, it's um, it's been a I don't love hate. It's not quite. I don't think hate, but it's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster. There's been periods where it's been fantastic, and there's been periods where I think people are very frustrated with him. But I think um, Keith's got you know he's got his own way of doing things. He wants to get the right personnel in always, and um, I don't know how much really. The circumstances this year have really affected what what he was trying to build. So I think it's hard to judge anyone at the moment because um, you know we're not we're not in the same circumstances as, as we would have been. Um, but yeah, he's a he, he, he seems like a decent bloke. Uh, seems like a very honest person and hardworking. And yeah, I personally would probably stick stick with with Keith for yeah. now and hope, and hope that um, yeah, things um, you know, can develop that we can we can stay up and they can develop. The page that I've got up has reminded me that Woody, Andy Woodman, uh, was a cult hero, is in fact the cult hero of Northampton. And if you do read any book, it's Woody and Nord, uh, because Nord is Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate and Fred Woodman, uh, well, Gareth Southgate is Freddie Woodman's godfather. Uh, and Andy comes across really, really well in this book. Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he was a hell of a character. He was... Um... Especially if you, if you if you were behind the goal at away games, you know he was always a, <laughs> always an entertaining entertaining individual. Um, good good goalkeeper, but uh, I, I, I like players who bring a bit of character to the game. I'm not I'm not um, you know we, we, it should be about fun, shouldn't it? As much as anything, just not just winning. And I like the characters, um, especially if they're you know characters are. The, the, the geniuses like Gascoigne as well, but it, but but if you can have characters that are decent enough, um, you know, very often those are the players you remember in years to come, aren't they? Yeah, and and don't worry, listener, we will get to Bruce Grobelar later on, one of the biggest characters and someone that I'm sure you've you've talked about more than yourself in interviews to promote one football no nets, which you can get for twelve ninety nine or cheaper, uh, which is what we're hanging the hook, the hook on which we're hanging this chat. Um, but I just wanted to ask if, when you were down in Bournemouth, did you go and see Bournemouth against Northampton? Were Bournemouth and Northampton in similar divisions at the late 80s, early 90s? No, uh, Bournemouth... Um, oh, yeah, so I was in, yeah, 
Yeah, I was at uni in Bournemouth and um, used to go down and um, to, to watch them quite regularly, actually, because I lived in Boscombe, so um, you know the history of the club, they're, they're based kind of uh, around the Boscombe area. Yeah, they used to be called Bournemouth so, and Boscombe. Indeed, yeah. indeed. So um, I used to go, yeah, I used to go quite often, go on the uh, terrace behind the goal. I was there when... Uh, when uh, they had the game against Leeds, when things went a bit peaked on, <laughs> um, all, all the riots and um, that time, obviously Leeds were trying to push to go up into the old first division, we call the Premier League now. I think so. Covers were a bit further down, yeah. But it was Harry, yeah, Harry was in charge in the early days when I was there, um, and Jamie, Jamie used to um, used to train um, with with the team. Um, I think, which is one of the reasons he, he developed into such a good player. He was he was training with the, if I if I understood correctly, he used to train with the seniors a little bit as a as a youth team player. I imagine um, he. I haven't read the book, but I imagine Jamie has written about that in his new book, written with Tom Fordyce. So, um, which I'm I'm waiting for the paperback, and I'm I'm hopeful of talking to at least Tom. Uh, but I've read all yeah, four Jamie's, of Yeah, Jamie's an interesting lad. You know, he's 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 he's, an, he's a good character as well, isn't he? Uh, a quality player, um, and he, he, liked, he liked to. Dare I say he liked to party? He used to be in Iron Apple in the summers. He used to sometimes see him there. Uh, Not yeah. to speak to. That brings me back to what you were doing. Uh, there's a wonderful interview that you gave online where I've um, disseminated a lot of stuff to do with your life. Um, but down in Bournemouth, you were ostensibly doing a business and marketing degree, which I imagine. Had a, an angle of what you were doing professionally, but which London nightclub did you work for? Zenith. Where was that? Uh, it was a first leisure nightclub, and it was um, it was in um, Acton. Oh right, and this was after the banning. Was it after the banning of the rave, the outdoor rave? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this is talk. We're talking about. Um... Oh, let me think. Uh, this was what ninety four time. Yeah, this was a big um, leisure group in the UK. Uh, first leisure they had, I think, forty or fifty clubs nationally. Um, so they, they they built a new club in Acton, and I, I was the I was the marketing manager of that when it when it opened. Yeah. It was my first sort of big gig out of university, shall we say? Which which but, DJs uh, did you meet? Yeah, it's a good question. It's very, it was very, very um, commercial, and in terms of DJs, it tended to just to be put, sticking on, um, just sticking on the tunes and getting the place packed out oh, with okay. you know two thousand people. The the person I remember meeting was Vinnie Jones. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, because he um, when we had the grand opening of the club, he was our guest of honor, and. Um, I had to look after. <laughs> I had to look after. Can you imagine the expression? I had to look after Vinny for the evening. One funny thing I remember actually, he he he'd just been called up into the Wales squad. I'd had a few drinks with him, and I thought, oh, now we're mates. So, I, so I, you know, I thought it's, it's safe enough to try some bands with him. So I was like, uh, Vinny, I didn't know you were Welsh, mate. He obviously we speak. We kind of imagine him as a very English bloke, don't we? As we walk with a name like Jones. Yeah, that's probably how he got in because he was he was at Watford. Uh, before yeah. he went to Wimbledon and Liverpool, Vinnie yeah. Jones was it Liverpool? Yeah, I think he yeah. was, wasn't he? Um, and recently, he's um, like Rio Ferdinand. He's put a lot of energy into grief and um, overcoming the grief. He wrote a book about losing his wife. Um, yes, and he's become a sort of national treasure. Isn't it strange how like Liam Gallagher, national treasure? Noel Gallagher never will be a national treasure. It's perverse. Yeah. Um, 
But you you went off to, because the raves had been made illegal, club culture went to the um, Balearics uh, or to the Greek islands, and you ended up in Faliraki. Well done. Yeah, yeah, I was um, I was a tour rep in um, in, in Faliraki. Um, just things didn't didn't work out with the nightclub stuff. Really, um, very stressful, seven days a week, yeah, and uh, the overall marketing boss of the whole the whole company saying to me, you know, if I were you, Justin, I'd yeah, go and go and do something like being a holiday rep or something. I said, well, funnily enough, I wouldn't mind doing that. He says, well, why don't you? Why don't you apply for it? So that's that's what I did. I ended up in. I ended up being a, a holiday rep in Faliraki, and not not to say there's not <laughs> it's not also not a seven days a, a, a week uh, job, but uh, definitely a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, at least it's sunny. Uh, there are many things yeah. Acton has. Sun is not one of those things. No, Faliraki has it has some, some of its shortcomings, but I think Faliraki or Acton, I know which one I choose it, uh, the second time round. And yet I remember reading a piece or seeing a piece about how Falaraki's residents more or less drove out the clubbers. Or if they didn't drive them out, the whole economy persisted on the clubber. It was a party town that I would say you had a little bit too many of the naughty Brits going. Um, so it got a bit naughty at times in terms of, um, you know, social behaviour, perhaps. I mean, it's, the, the town did very well. I mean, it had dozens of bars and clubs and obviously lots of hotels but sometimes uh, sometimes resorts can can build to a point where they can afford to to rebrand and maybe kick out kick out the party goers and make it make it a different kind of resort so maybe that's the way it's gone in Falaraki. Mm. but it, it's a nice bit of social history there because Ibiza uncovered and it was the lads culture and it was a place where lads could be lads without the threat because Facebook and Twitter didn't exist but you, when yeah. did you leave Falaraki? Did that, that thing, that's, that's so true. Yeah, name dropping, but I mean, that summer we had people like Robbie Fowler and Sol Campbell coming out to Falaraki. And in those days, they could have a bit more bit more freedom in their lives, really. You wish there was a bit of a balance in it because people can't really enjoy themselves like they used to. You know, you used to be able to definitely enjoy yourselves a bit, a bit more without fearing that, yeah... You know, the video is going to go to the wrong place or upset the, the wrong person. But um, no, I ended up, uh, what happened was I, I got on a ferry from um, Greece, from, from sorry, from Falaraki to um, Limassol, I guess it would have been, oh, to, okay. to, to Cyprus. Um, we'd, heard, we'd heard some amazing things about Ayanapa. And um, what happened was my mate had, uh, he'd lost his job. I got a mate from, from Hinkley Paul. Um, he'd lost his job. He was just doing, you know, bar work and stuff. And uh, he more or less got chased out of town by some of the Greek boys who owed him some money. So he wanted to leave. Um, I, I think I'd had enough with, with, with the repping. So we <laughs> we just decided to get on a ferry and um, we headed off to Cyprus and headed off to Ayanapa. Ah, oh, grand. Which was the centre of uh, Garage. The universe. The universe. Well, yeah, indeed, but Ayanapa, Ayanapa. <laughs> 20, 20 years ago, that Pied Piper song, which uh, yeah. quoted Ayanapa. But this was, was it, was that where Dizzy Rascal got shot, Ayanapa? Oh, I don't know about that. Um... I mean, that's, I, I was there, what was it, 1995? Oh, that's, um, okay, that's way before. Yeah, jungle. yeah, jungle going into, I, I did see the garage thing arrive there, mm. actually. There, there were garage clubs, 
But in those days, it was quite a different place. I mean, we enjoyed um, knocking around the Scandinavians, and we used to we used to, we we tended to go to a lot of the um, well, we yeah we'd go to the Scandinavian bars, and we liked the girls and that. So that's more what we did. Um, but those clubs were there, and uh, even then, I, I spent three summers there, um, and in that time, you, you saw the place really really starting to change and to become more of a clubbing place. Do you have a, a dance anthem that you still put on while you're running from that time? Oh, many, many. Um, I like. I mean, I, I, I'm a big. I'm a big fan of trance uh, music. So we were kind of heading into trance in the late nineties as well, weren't we? Yeah. So tons and tons and tons of tunes. Um, a, a tune that always sticks in my mind from that time is uh, "Everybody's Free," which was what was it, Rizala? Rizala. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that just sticks in my mind because. That's how we felt. We felt we felt free. We felt we felt happy. Um, truly emancipated in life. So I think um, it wasn't my favourite tune, but it was a tune that I always sort of um, sort of think of um, back back to that time. And then uh, a singer that you probably wouldn't have heard of it called E Type. He was a Swedish. I know of um, E Type. Yeah, he's one of Max Martin's you know guys. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he was uh, he, yeah he was the, the top artist in Sweden at the time. So because we used to go to the Scandinavian places, um, mm. E Type would pop on you know several times a night, four or five of his songs. So um, anything by E Type um, would uh, would uh, would perhaps go on the tunes if I wanted to, to reminisce. Uh, name one. Uh, Angels flying. All right. Uh, I will I will look it up during this halftime break. <laughs> 